Hear the word of God from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, located on page 812 in the Pew Bible. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Justin LaRosa. For those of you that don't know me, and I serve as the minister of the downtown campus called the Portico. Uh, if you would put that image up on the screen that we talked about uh, over the weeks here, there, there it is. Over the weeks, we've been asking the congregation different questions. Different questions that Jesus perhaps asked last week was... Uh, uh, when have you been given a second chance, like Jesus gave, gave to Peter and gives to us times? And then on your responses on those little cards, they create these amazing images of Jesus. And so we'll be asking you to do that later on today, because out of Jesus' response, amazing things can be created. So today we continue on with our story in Matthew. And if you were with us on Easter, you heard, I'm going to tell you how we got here to this point uh, in Galilee with the risen Jesus, with his last presence and his uh, last words in this gospel. So you might remember the two Marys in Matthew are heading to the tomb. They're heading to the tomb because that's what you do. And they, on their way there, they encounter an angel. And the angel says, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Much to their surprise, they said, come and see. And then I want you to go and tell the disciples and tell them that not only am I raised for the dead, but go into Galilee and to wait for me there. So in kind of shock and awe, they take off on their way to go see the disciples they encounter the risen Jesus, and they worship him. And the risen Jesus tells them the same thing the angel did. Go tell the disciples and send them to Galilee. And so we can assume at this point in the story, the disciples either believe the testimony of the women and what they said, or they were curious enough to see if the risen Jesus would show up. And it's in that context that the words today are written. And so... I don't know, speaking of, you know, big splash kind of news, did any of you read the uh, Pew Center report on religion this week? Anybody see it? it? Oh, wow. Let me just say it was crickets in 8.30 and 9.30. Nobody had read that report. Okay, N nobody. But uh, this was pretty big news for uh, religion, and I'm just going to hit the highlights. 35,000 people were interviewed and asked a bunch of questions. And uh, it was like peppering my uh, Facebook and Twitter and, you know, people were decrying the end of the church and this, that, and the other. But there are some significant findings, and I'd like to share them with you. Number one, the Christian percentage of the population in America has dropped from 78 to 70 percent since 2007. Just, just since 2007. 
Second, more than 33% of millennials, that's the youngest generation now, say they are unaffiliated with any faith. Third, and perhaps for us, the most disturbing, it's all disturbing, but this is disturbing for us, that really hits home. Mainline Protestants, that's us, have the worst retention rate among the younger generation with just 37% staying with the faith. That's some, that's some splash news, brothers and sisters. And so in our time and in our task of making disciples in our context, it seems like this monstrous, overwhelming situation to do. And so what are we going to do about this? What are we, the church, going to do about this? Are we going to circle the wagons? Are we going to circle the wagons with our dwindling group and just hope for the best? Are we going to keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results? What do they call that? Insanity. That's right. Insanity. That's, that's right. No, we're not going to do that, and we shouldn't do that. The reality is, brothers and sisters, the mission hasn't changed. The mission to make disciples and the mission to make God's love real has not changed. But sometimes the methods must change. And that's going to require courageous leadership from all of us as we move forward. And lots of prayer and lots of surrender. So I want you for a moment to just picture in your mind what the Pew Center report might have read for the disciples as they're entering into Galilee. I mean, these guys and gals weren't on a winning streak, no? I mean, they've been scattered. They've abandoned Jesus. They've, their little sect have just totally abandoned Jesus. Their leader was nailed to a cross after three years of ministry together. It's not like they were on a winning streak. They were scattered and broken and bruised. So I, I took a whack at my, what the Pew Center report might have read for them. Everybody wants you dead. 99% of the population, probably more than that, think you're a joke. Perfect power made in powerlessness. Joke. Yet, the risen Jesus entrusted these broken vessels with a great mission to make disciples that would literally change the world forever. That would change the world forever. And, they, and what Jesus sent, sent these men, and we can assume women, to share the message of love, to share that Jesus overcame sin and death, not just for their little group, but for everyone, everywhere. And I don't know, did you notice when you're reading that kind of the second verse? And it was kind of disturbing to me when, when I was first kind of studying. So they're in and they meet the risen Jesus, and then they worship, and then what do they do? Some doubted. P.S., it didn't say that about the women. Did you know that? They didn't say that about the women. But the disciples worshipped and doubted. That's pretty significant. So, 
it seems as though doubts and uncertainties didn't disqualify these guys from going and doing the mission. We can have doubt. That's good news indeed. And so if you only remember one thing about this sermon, and that would be a gift because most people don't remember most things about most sermons, but if you remember one thing about this sermon, I want you to resonate with this truth. I want you to put it in your heart. You and you and you and you and you and you and me and us, we are entrusted with this holy task to make disciples of Jesus Christ. No matter what the Pew Center report reads, we are entrusted to make disciples. So that means with all of our frailty and all of our strength, with all of our conviction and all of our uncertainty, we are entrusted and given this task. So those, those little babies there, those little beautiful babies that were baptized, become disciples. We're responsible for that. And it's by our engaging these tangible acts of love that God will use those to transform people for, and families for generations. You know, introducing somebody to the saving love and power of Jesus Christ makes an eternal difference in somebody's life. And I'm not talking hellfire and brimstone. I'm talking about an eternal difference right here and right now that lasts forever. And I'm talking about forever. Both. So the question then becomes, well, how do we do that? How do we do that in our context in the way in which this post Christian world operates. How do we make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and have them obey all the commandments that Jesus taught? How do we do that? I think the words of the scripture today can illustrate how we do that. So first, I want to say we trust. We trust that Jesus Christ has authority over all things. You notice he started out that way in verse 18. He said, all authority in heaven and here on earth is given to me. Basically, he said, hey, I'm in charge here. This is huge. This is monstrous, but I'm in charge. And that's something for us to remember as we engage on this huge task to make disciples. So the first is we trust. The second, it says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we live love. We live love. Baptism is our calling to be sent, right? We're baptized and we're sent. And so our mission field is all nations, like he says, but really, if we break it down, it's the people around you, the people you come in contact with, your friends, your neighbors, the people you meet at the store. That's, that's the people that we live our life of love for. John's gospel says that people will know that we are disciples of Jesus by what? Our love. And so I want to give you one quick example of that, and it'll make them uncomfortable. Um, 
you never know how your invitation is going to change the world. You never know. You might never, ever know. But back in around 2002, there was this gentleman, probably in his late 20s, maybe at that time, um, that was struggling. He was raised in the Southern Baptist tradition and had some issues with that. Not that that's bad, it's just he had some issues with that and was struggling with what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And his cousin called him and invited him to Hyde Park United Methodist. And this gentleman came in and he jumped in and his life has been transformed. And if that wasn't good enough, the way in which he had engaged to shape our kids and youth lives over these last years has been amazing. The kind of ripple effect. And that was Barbara Peterson who invited Shelton Bridges to come to this church. And as I came in on Wednesday night and saw Shelton playing with the kids and making God's love real and making disciples, I thought, that's it. We live love with all worship and doubt. He's living love. So, as I was uh, studying and praying for this, and this is the third iteration of this sermon. At the end, you might have preferred the first or the second, but you'll never know. Um, I was talking to our next senior pastor, which is McGray, and he had led me to a translation of the word go that I hadn't been familiar with before. And so, remember, he says, authority has come to me, and then go, therefore. And the translation of go is the word, and I'll butcher it, uh, which can be translated to pursue the journey on which one has entered. To pursue the journey on which one has entered. So I think that's instructive for us in that we can continue to pursue our individual journeys and our journey as a congregation. And we have a roadmap for that. This isn't really rocket science in some ways. It's called the disciple's path. We believe that a disciple are people who f- try to follow Jesus and all of our, you know, stumbling and moving forward, whose lives begin to center on the love of God and love of others, including our enemies. That's what a disciple is. And so it's like this call to enter into the journey, to center our lives on loving God and loving others. Well, how do we do that? Because that's a big, big call. We do it together. We, 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 we engage in the spiritual practices. And in the liturgy this morning, we talk about our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness. That's how we do it. We position ourselves where God can shape us and make us in to little images of Christ for others. God doesn't need more concepts to be shared. He'd like to have some more images of Jesus out in the community. So people will see that we're different as we engage in our life of love. Thirdly, We share with people how Jesus has changed our lives. This is teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. You see, we reflect the way that Jesus has changed us. And I think it's 
important. It would be better if we all did it more often, invite people to worship, invite people to group, invite people to service, different ways to kind of connect with the church and become a part of God's transformation of the world. But there is no more powerful witness than sharing with someone how Jesus has changed your life, how Jesus's love has changed your life. You know, that can be done very forced, that can be done inauthentically, but our spiritual practice of an invitational evangelism is really like we do it in relationship. We do it as a part of a relationship that happens between us and God and between us and the other folks. And if they're really interested, you ever have someone knock on your door and and want to tell you the good news? I have. I don't really appreciate it, even though I know it. (laughs) So we share with others. And that's what I want to invite you to think about doing. If you have one of these, I'd like for you to pull it out. And um, this yellow thing, and I'd like you to grab a pencil or pen or get it in your mind. Our question this week is, who in your life needs to hear a good news story about you, about Jesus, and how will you share it? Is it up there? So I want you to take about 30 or so seconds, and if you can't think of somebody, write a question mark, and then we'll... uh, gather back together. If you have that yellow thing, just hold it up for a minute. I'd just like to say a prayer for the people holding them and uh, people on them. Lord, we give thanks for this opportunity to share a good news story about Jesus, about ourselves, about something. We pray that you give us wisdom and discernment and opportunity to know the right time, to be the right time, and to share to your love for each one of these folks. Amen. So we trust that Jesus has all authority. And second, we live love through the disciples' path. And then three, we share our own story about the way that Jesus has changed our life. And last, and perhaps the most difficult for the disciples and for us, we take risks. We take risks to engage the new spiritual frontier. You see, the disciples were looking at a completely different landscape of what they had always known. All nations All is in those verses four times. Completely different. Called to something new. Called to other people who haven't been a part in the past. And I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, so are we. So are we. And so as many of you know, I've been a part of the team that's launching a second campus of Hyde Park downtown. And we've done lots of different planning, and we're, it's a little innovation lab. Uh, we're taking risks. We're trying new things. We're doing things differently. I encourage each one of you to come down and take a walk because it's your campus. It's our campus because we're one church with two campuses.
And so we're launching a community gathering space. We're going to have a coffee shop where we hire people and we empower and we really focus on mission. And we're going to have an event space uh, as well to do art marts and all kind of different things. We're going to do recovery ministry and just all kinds of stuff down there. And so the portico is about conversation, connection, and community change. And we're going to do it in a context of a new spiritual frontier, a new landscape to connect with people who are very spiritual but perhaps not religious or practicing. The second thing we're going to do uh, that came out of a result of prayer is we're going to launch a sixth expression of worship downtown in February 2016. It's going to look different. It's going to be different. might not even be on Sunday morning. We're not sure yet. But it's going to incorporate our DNA. It has our mission and our vision. It's going to probably incorporate contemplation, meditation, or silence, if you don't know the the first world, in in everything we do. And it'll probably be a lot more kind of relational in that we'll all engage in talking around the, the scripture during the worship service, not just a primary preacher. But we don't know. Those are the things we're taking risks to connect with the new generation. And we're going to be asking at the sometime in the fall for uh, many folks from here to come join the mission, to come engage in the new spiritual landscape. And most of you won't, and that's really okay. We want you to engage the landscapes that are around you and invite people here But we're going to be reaching out for 120 folks to launch a new worship service in February of 16. And we're excited about that. And if you feel called to a mission like that, call me or call the office and we'll connect with you. And I think this this fourfold pattern of trusting, of living love, of sharing, and of risking is what God often calls for our lives as well. Where do you need to trust Jesus? Where do you need to live love and engage in spiritual practices? Where do you need to share your story? And where do you need to take a risk? I don't know. But hopefully, it'll be revealed to you. The last thing Jesus said which I think is appropriate for us, is, and remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. God is with us as we embark on this monstrous, holy task of making disciples, one person at a time. And that is very good news. That is very good news indeed. Let us pray. God of love, God of presence, infuse us with the knowledge of your love. Deepen our love for you and for others, including our enemies. May our lives speak Jesus' love through our thoughts, through our words, our actions, through our doubts, our weakness, and our strength. Empower us to find ways to share that love with others. May we trust you. May we live love. May we share that love. May we take risks that you ordain. 
Make me aware at points throughout our week that our all authority rests in you and that you have promised your presence. May our church, our family, our friends in Christ join together in our mission of making God's love real. Amen.